great. Second Peter chapter two. We've, it's been a while since we've been in Second Peter, and I'm not going to keep you long this evening. I'll be totally honest with you. I know it's Thanksgiving, and you probably maybe got family, you got some plans for your family this evening, and that's fantastic. And I don't want to take that away from you, and that's important. Isn't family time important? It certainly is. Now it takes place before uh, the Lord. That's a problem, but I, I got a good idea of the folks who I'm preaching to this evening. And it's good to spend time with your family and enjoy them. And so with that in mind, I just want to let you know up front that I won't be here long this evening. All right. Second Peter chapter two. And we're going to start in verse number 10. Second Peter chapter number two. And starting verse number 10. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in a lust of uncleanliness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not a railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that counted pleasure to ride in the daytime, spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time you've given to us. And Lord, as we look at individuals who desire to lead men and women astray, lead them from the truth, Lord, help us to know what the truth is to help us to live for you. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Uh, so we continue our series in Second Peter. And Peter's not yet done dealing with uh, the apostates. Unlike some Christians today, Peter was very concerned and upset about the inroads that false teachers had made into the church at that time. Apostates were making their way into the church. He knew that their approach was very subtle, very crafty, very deceptive. They were anything but honest, and they were bringing their teachings in so very, very slowly, but they were bringing them in. And those teachings were fatal to the truth. You know, error and truth do not mix. So it's either truth or error. And these men and these individuals were trying to slip error in under the guise of truth. And Peter was warning the churches. He was telling them to watch out. Have you ever gone down a road and you don't know the whole way through this road and all of a sudden you come upon a construction site, there is no warning? You don't feel very good about that, do you? You're upset about it. I know I am, especially I'm driving with my family and we're having a merry time, you know, having a laugh and things. All of a sudden, I'm hitting the brakes, squealing to a stop, almost hitting, rear-ending a truck or something of that nature. I don't appreciate there's no warning. Now, as a church, as a pastor, we need to be telling others of the warnings of false teaching. We need to. Now, we do it with love and compassion. And, you know, say, hey, this is the truth. And at the end of the day, it's your decision what you will do with it, right? You either believe the truth or you believe the lie. It's up to you. But I do have a responsibility, and as a church, we have a responsibility to proclaim the truth. He desired no one to be deceived. That was Peter's desire. He didn't want any more Christians being deceived by these apostates, these false teachers, 
these guys who were uh, trying to make gain for themselves. He didn't want any more. And I can stand before you and I have that same spirit as Peter. I don't want anyone to be deceived. I want people to know the truth and to apply the truth. Now, let's take a moment and remember that Peter opened this letter with very positive teaching. And he laid forth, because it's important to know what the truth is before you can defend it, right? I can't defend everything that I, uh, that I don't know about. I can't defend any of it. But if I know the truth, the Word of God, I can defend it. I might not know every nook and cranny, but the reality is I can stand the Word of God and say, hey, this is true, and you need to know it. So Peter starts us off with, in the beginning of this book by telling us the truth and reminding us about salvation, that Jesus Christ died for us, and that He, he brings eternal life for all those who accept Him by faith. He brings that to our attention and says to the churches, that's what you need to believe. He encourages us about Christian growth, that once we've accepted Jesus Christ, we're on a path, we're on a journey, and that life, our Christian life, is continuing to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. He encourages that way. And he encouraged us to understand that we can depend on the Word of God. Uh, that's where I'm thankful for that this evening, that I don't have to worry when I get up tomorrow morning and read my Bible, is this still the Word of God? It still is, it always will be, the Word of God. His Word does not pass away. So I can depend upon it. So I have a dependability in the Word of God. If anything, that should make all of us as believers this evening very happy, very thankful that all those things are true. And if you're here this evening and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, i got great news for you. He'll change your life if you accept Him. And there's a whole audience here full of individuals who will give that same testimony. He loves you. Peter had a balanced ministry. And it's important as, that we maintain balance in our life. Uh, uh, I think some of us has heard of uh, Spurgeon, the famous preacher yesteryear. He had a, a magazine named The Sword and the Trowel, according to the work, uh, alluding to the work in the book of Nehemiah, where they were working with the trowel, building the wall, but they had the sword ready to defend uh, and fend off those who might attack. Okay, so some people have a purely negative ministry. They never build up anything. They tear down all the time. They tear down all the time. Uh, they're too busy, sometimes fighting amongst themselves, to defend against the enemy. The enemy gets in and there's total discord. Then there's others who never defend anything. The, the, idea, the other ones are all tearing everything down and don't even defend against the devil coming in. These other people are like, oh, well, we'll let everything in. We don't, we, don't have, we don't want to offend anybody. You know, the Word of God does offend. Have you ever been convicted after a message? Don't raise your hand. I'm just asking a rhetorical question. I have many times heard the Word of God preached, and I don't feel very good in the pew that you're sitting in right now. So it's offended me, hasn't it? But in the right way. It's causing me to think about what I've done in my life, or maybe how something should change. So the idea is that we need to stand against apostates and against false teaching. And that's what Peter's encouraging us uh, to, to have a balance that you're helping, you're, you're encouraging, you're, you're helping that Christian along the road, but the apostate comes knocking at the door or slips in through the door. You're like, no, we don't accept that teaching here. We will defend what is true. That's what Peter is encouraging us here. So we see here in these verses that we just looked at, they're reveling in verse number 10. Uh, reviling, sorry, they're reviling. Uh, the picture here is people, a proud people who tried to build themselves up all the while they're tearing everyone else down. But chiefly of them that walk after the flesh in the lusts of uncleanliness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. 
They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. They, they want to build themselves up and tear everyone else down. They show no respect for authority. And they're not afraid to attack and defame those people who are in positions of authority. They have no problem with that. Now, God has established authority in this world. He has. He has established authority. And when we resist authority, we resist God. Romans 13.1 Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that are ordained of God. Look over in Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents, here, we see from God's Word, God's Word, we just talked about a moment ago, is dependable, does not change. So tomorrow morning you get up, this verse is not changed. This verse tells us that parents are to have authority over their children. You see it there? It's not that hard. It's there. And it's what's supposed to happen. It's, this is God's establishing authorities in our life. This is what God has laid out. Verse number 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of, God, of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. For good will doing service as to a Lord and not to men. Employers are over the employees. You see it there? The employer is in charge. He has the authority. And he's, you're supposed to listen to him, especially if you want to get paid and keep a job. That's what you need to do. And beyond that, it's what the Lord expects of you as a Christian, that we're supposed to do that. As citizens, uh, as Christians, we're to pray for those in authority. I mentioned that this morning. We need to encourage and, and, and pray for them. I don't know if you ever done this, but just recently I did. I sent a note off to the MP for our area here in Malton and told them, thank you for serving. I want you to let you know that I'm praying for you and I appreciate that you're willing to serve our country. I never heard back from him. But he needs to know there's people praying for him. And it's not that hard. I think all of us here know how to do an email. Uh, just let them know, and, and besides letting them know, actually do it. We need to be praying. As a members of a local assembly, we we have uh, those who are in spiritual rulers, in the sense that the pastors, as they preach and bring the word, we have teachers in our uh, church who teach our children and our, our young adults and our children and our uh, uh, teenagers. They all there to help encourage in the ministry. It's, it's a form of authority. Human government is. From God's hand, He orchestrated it. He brought it into being. And as I said earlier, we need to be praying for Him. And after being in uh, Ottawa a couple weeks ago, we had some MPs show up for the meeting. I was really impressed how much more I need to be praying for them. And some of them were Christians, and they told us very vividly of the uh, pushback they get from the government at the moment about things that are right, that are moral from God's Word. And they're getting pushback saying, listen, we, we need to change and they're trying to stand for right. Man, we need to pray for those people. We need to be praying for our nation. So, but these individuals, 
these apostates back in Second Peter, they, they attack every form of authority. They despise government. The reason for their reviling, well, the first reason, the main reason is what we would call flesh. Flesh. Who they are, the brave nature of man, does not want to submit to any kind of authority. You don't have to see long in a little baby that they want to do what they want to do. Has anyone ever noticed that with your kids? I mean, maybe don't raise your hands. But you know it's true. Isn't you know it's true? You, you we don't have to have a, cl- a class to teach our children to do it their own way. You never have to teach a child that. You never have to teach the child the word no. <laughs> they learn that all by themselves. And if they don't say no, they act no. I will not do that. You know, it's it's written in the genetic code of every individual. It's there, the flesh. And in recent years, I mean, we just, I mean, in books and uh, magazines and entertainment sources, we see such an epidemic, such a, a wave of information about telling, encouraging people how to succeed and how to trample over everybody to get to the top. Really? That's what you want to teach your children how to live is that way? To step on people because the most important thing in all the life is you? I'm number one? Well, that definitely does not coincide with the Word of God says. But this is the nature of the apostate. They, they desire to be at the top and they'll, they'll do anything to achieve that goal. It doesn't matter what is at stake. I mean, our pride, our, I mean, our nature is inclined to be prideful. Now, it's not natural to be humble. Let's just be honest. Who wants to be humble? You don't get any praise for being humble. You know, you, you know, it, it's just not the way that our human nature works. We want our ego to be uh, stoked up. And when we walk in the room, everyone looks at us, oh, look at that individual. You're, you're so great. You're so awesome. That's, that's our society today. And that's the way of the apostate. He desires that. He, he won't stop at nothing to promote himself, to protect himself. And as long as he does that, or as he goes, he's spreading untruth. He's spreading lies that are, you know, not the word of God. Uh, they, they attempt the opposite. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was here on this earth, he was a servant. If you read the Word of God, you read the Gospels, you see that the Lord served people everywhere He went. That was His heart. That was His desire. You don't have to read very much to see that. The heart of the apostate is not one of service, but rather, you serve me. You serve me. Because I deserve it. That, that's, their, that's their thought. These men, Peter described them as, were as presumptuous. Uh, they, they, they were daring and, uh, you know, uh, and bold, but in a sense, not in a heroic way, but they, they want to, their attack against the authority was almost demonic. It was almost to a point of, hey, this is not a man tactic. This is a tactic from Satan. These men were also self-willed, which means they lived to please only themselves. They were arrogant. They would defy God to get what they want. Proverbs twenty one twenty four says, Proud and haughty scorner is his name, who death in proud wrath. And outwardly, they put on a facade. 
Outwardly they say, hey, I'm all about serving God. I'm all about the church, whatever it is. But inwardly, they feed their own egos. And they just want to become greater in their own eyes. And along the way, they're leading people in the paths of destruction. The seriousness, verse number 11. Whereas angels which are great in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. Even the angels, though greater in strength and power, will not intrude into a sphere that is not their own. Angels remembered the rebellion of Lucifer back in other portions of Scripture uh, and know how seriousness that revolt was against God and how God brought His authority. And if God judged the rebellious angels, how much more would He he judge rebellious men who stand in opposition to the truth? There's truth to that statement because we know from God's Word the angels uh, for, uh, stood against God with Satan and God cast them out. So we know that He will judge men who stand opposed to Him. He will do that. Speaking evil of others is a great sin. And as individual believers, we must be careful about that little member inside our mouth, Right? And that little member, though, is influenced by our heart. What's in your heart comes out? certainly does. When someone I know wants something, it doesn't take long for them to come from here to here and they tell me. So we need to, as believers, be careful where our heart is because it comes from here what will come out of our mouth. And we need to be careful that we're we're respecting those in, in authority. We may not respect the person in the office, but we must respect the office and give, you know, give our prayers to them in sense of praying for them. Uh, but we need to respect what God has ordained in our lives. And those who revile the government officials in the name of Christ ought to read and ponder this verse in Titus chapter 3. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to do every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness, Unto all men. So great principle that we shouldn't do anything like what I just laid out, you know, just trying to destroy the government in the name of the Lord. We have an example of an individual just like that in the Bible. And his name is Daniel. Daniel was taken from his homeland, brought hundreds of miles from Jerusalem to Babylon, and he was told, you gotta eat the king's meat. Now, Daniel was a a Jewish boy who loved the Lord and he would not eat the meat that was defiled uh, from the king. That was the meat that we know about. This is historically we know was brought before an idol and, uh, you know, given and uh, to the idol and in worship. And then what was not left over was given to the individuals in the court to eat. And he said, no, I would not eat that. But he did it in such a gracious way that he did not even get the guard in trouble that was watching over him. Uh, and even when uh, the apostles refused to obey the rulings of the Sanhedrin uh, in Acts, uh, you know, they had preached in the porch of the temple. The Sanhedrin brought them in and said, listen, you can't preach that. You're not allowed to do that. We're telling you right now, stop that. They acted like gentlemen. They listened. They respected authority, even though they disobeyed the order. Because the order was stopping them from telling them the truth. And the truth comes before any order of man. The truth is Jesus Christ and His salvation. That's what they were preaching. 
is when the flesh goes to work and pride enters our hearts, that's when our mouths are, and what we say is no longer used as tools, then they become weapons, and then we get ourselves in big trouble. You know, sometimes, uh, I, I know in my own life, I, I try to talk to people, encourage them down certain paths to serve the Lord, and sometimes they just put up this big wall that I can't get through, and they are very combative, they want to fight, they want to have an engagement as such. You know what I found really works? It's like, okay, I'm going to pray for you. Have a great day. That really takes the fire out of them. He's like, I'm not about fighting. I want to show you the truth. I want to show, and I'm talking about individual folks who need to know the truth. I'm going to stand against the apostate. I'm going to stand and stand firm. But as individual believers trying to show them the truth, and they're like, no, no, no. Well, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that the Lord will show you those things to help you understand what is right. The words of the mouth are, are iniquity and deceit. He hath not left off to be wise, to do good. In Psalm 36, 3. We need to be making sure that we're using our mouths to do good. And not to be offensive, just to be offended, uh, to be offending people. The judgment of their reviling. Uh, Peter compares these individuals in verse number 12 as brute beasts. And brute beasts design, their destiny was to be slaughtered. But that was the whole idea of these uh, uh, brute beasts. Uh, and at the end of this chapter, he pictures them as pigs and dogs. You know, animals have life, and they live by instinct. My dog has a very good instinct of finding food and lots of chocolate. You can talk to my veterinarian. She's here this evening. Okay? It, man, he just got an instinct to eat everything, and he doesn't, like, unwrap that chocolate and lick the chocolate really nicely. He eats everything. The wrappers, everything. And that's just the instinct. I'm going to eat. Okay, they lack the finer sensibilities that humans ought to possess, right? Ought to possess. I've met some individuals who I wonder about. Okay? They lack the finer sensibilities. And Jesus warns us not to cast their pearls before swine in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Now, I've met lots of dogs in my time. I love dogs. I've always had dogs around. And, uh, and, I, and I, uh, I enjoy them. And playing with them, walking them. Sometimes they walk me, not me walking them. Uh, but I go with my daughter Hannah on a, on a paper route quite often. And there's this little dog that sits in a bay window. And me and Hannah have got to a point of, let's see if we can deliver the paper without him knowing. So we sneak around. There's no noise. Besides the cars going back and forth. And he's soaking up the sun. He's taking a nap. And then I toss the paper up. Just like that. That's what happens to me, too. I get a fright and I run away. Though the dog probably couldn't chew off my toe. But the reality is the instinct of the dog is when he does not know what's happening, he will bark and this thing barks forever in a day. It's a little bit of a score when we don't wake the dog and we can keep walking down the road. But the reality is that his instinct is to bark and bark a lot. He's acting according to his instinct. So the apostates are acting according to their instinct of telling or promoting deceit. Make a lot of noise, but they don't know nothing about it. And they're trying to deceive as they go. Now, it's sad that we live in a day and age, you know, the media loves to uh, concentrate on the big mouths, don't they? The big mouths, the ones who, the false teachers, 
There's so many of them out there that get on TV and then, you know, the media is mocking them and things of that nature, but they won't talk to those instead of the, instead of the big mouths, the still small voice of the Lord. And I encourage you this morning to get that rest and just spend some time contemplating on the word of the Lord and things. That's when you hear that still small voice. And you won't hear it in the hustle bustle and the cars are zooming by and your mind is running a mile a minute. The, the radio's blaring and, and you're sitting in traffic and your car's going like this because the guy next to you has got the music up so loud. that You're not going to hear the still small voice there. You need to get away. You need to pause and step back and focus upon what God has for you. It's sad that so many innocent people are being fascinated by the big mouths. They're falling for their teaching and, and they're, they're swallowing and hook, line, and sinker, use a fishing term for you. And they can't discern between truth and deceitful words. Oh, that we be Christians that are equipped to know the truth. And that we have the equipping of the truth, know it, and we can help another believer along the way. This is the truth. Apply it. That's wrong. This is the truth. The truth of the Word of God leads to salvation. Amen? That's what it leads to. When we hear the Word of God, we apply it to our hearts and lives in the sense that when we first hear it, we hear it and we understand that we're sinners, we're lost, we get saved. It's going to lead us that way. The Word of God is not going to lead us anywhere but to Jesus. We need to follow it. The arrogant words of the apostates, we do not need to follow. The brute beasts are on a destiny of destruction. And that's sad because they're humans just like you and me. They have a soul, but they decide to follow, uh, not follow truth, but follow the false thing and promote error. Now, we live in such a day and age that we see so many false teachers promoted on television and things, and we see their, their indulgence, you know, the luxury, I mean, I know some tonight uh, who have the fanciest cars. I don't know them personally. I've just seen it on television. The fanciest cars, the fanciest homes. They have their own airports. Really? I mean, is that really the best way to propagate the Word of God? And that's no, it's not. We live in such a day of excess that they think they should do this and live this way. I'm telling you today, we need more than ever servants of the Lord Jesus Christ that have that humble spirit and just serve. That's what we need today more than anything else. These, these apostates, they don't care. They're, they're all about their, uh, their own lifestyle and, and it's so contrary to the Word of God. And They're just trying to live it their own way and get it off the backs of Christians they have deceived and people they have deceived. Say, hey, give it to me. Give it to me. Well, this evening we took some time to think about the blessings and ask for testimonies. And I heard a few folks, and I know I've heard of other folks today in my conversations, they're thankful for a church that stands for truth. And I'm so thankful a church stands for truth today. I'm so thankful for individuals who are gathered tonight on a Sunday night and they want to hear God's Word teach and, and, and taught to them that they can know the truth and that they can defend the truth and that they can encourage others to know the truth as well. Let me encourage you to keep praying for our church. There's a great world out there. Listen, the, the apostates are on the other side of the world. They're in our community too. And we need to know the truth. 
There's young folks in our church this evening who are going through college and career, going through university, and they're being bombarded with all kinds of things that aren't true. Pray for them. I'll be honest, I don't envy. I, I, I wouldn't want to be there because I, I see and deal with individuals and the, the mindset, the humanistic mindset that's so prevalent, so contrary to the Word of God. Let's be praying for each other. We want our church to be strong, amen? We need to be praying for each other. We need to be specific in our prayers. And we think of the moms and dads who go off to work in most workplaces. You're not going to a place where you're going to get encouraged in the Lord Jesus Christ, are you? You're going to hear the Lord's name taken in vain. And you're going to hear some, maybe not the same extent as in a classroom setting in university, but you're going to hear humanistic viewpoints and maybe other, other thoughts that are totally contrary to the Word of God. Hey, we need to be praying for each other. We need to be praying for each other. We need to mark the apostates, but we certainly need to be praying for each other. And I'm so thankful for a church family that does that. Don't stop. Continue. This Thanksgiving, thank the Lord that you know the truth. Amen. This Thanksgiving, you, you make sure you, you, you're standing for truth and you're abiding by it and you're growing in it and you're imparting it to somebody else, making another disciple along the way. Mark, mark the apostates, but pray for each other.